Reading today, <clears throat> excuse me, is from Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Word of the Lord. Amazing, thank you. Well, good morning. Can I just uh, add my welcome to Libby? Uh, my name's Paul. I'm one of the clergy here. Uh, it's great to be here. If you are new, visiting, extra warm welcome to you. Um, I don't know how your morning's been. Has it been uh, calm or chaotic? I made the mistake of uh, visiting a recycle center before we arrived here and uh, pulling up in the van with a whole lot of clothes and stuff that are going to be going to a charity shop. Made the mistake of leaving the van door open so the kids could see what was being charity shopped. And like, not that coat. I love that coat. Don't put that in there. It doesn't fit anymore. It's got to go. So that was a bit of a chaotic sort of stressful morning. But we got there and we're here. We're going to do this talk and we're going to end hopefully just before 11 so that we can have a time and a moment to remember as well. That would be great. Let's just pray before we start. Father, we thank you for uh, this passage, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this letter that we have. And we pray, Lord God, that as we look at it and unpick it and go through it, that, Lord, there'll be stuff in there that would affect our Monday, our Tuesday, our Wednesday, right the way through the week, that, Father, something in this word, Lord God, would really jump out and would, Lord, feed us throughout the week, inspire us, shape us, mold us to be more like you, to speak about you, Lord Jesus, in our context, we pray. Amen. Well, I remember um, leading worship in Pentonville Prison in London. Uh, I was training to be a vicar, and I was shadowing the prison chaplain uh, in Pentonville Prison. And I was asked to bring a guitar in. And I remember rocking up with my guitar, and the guards just stopping me right there, and going through my guitar and saying, you don't have any spare guitar strings with you, because actually they can be used as a, a bit of a weapon and stuff. Is There's nothing sharp objects that you've got in your guitar case. Do you? I was like, no, 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 kind of going through. And you could feel the sort of panic building in me. It's like, what have I got on my person? Is everything going to be all right? And then I arrived in the chapel where it was going to be, and I was with the chaplain, a lady called Joanna, and she, she was a pro, seasoned pro. She'd been there for weeks, months, years. She knew what she was doing. But then the prison officer came in and he said, so guys, just so you know, it's just you. Um, we'll, re- we'll open the cell doors in a moment and it'll flit in, but, but, but the prison guards, we're not going to be here. There'll be no prison officers with you. But if it does kick off, uh, if you can get to the panic button over there and just hit the panic button uh, and the guards will just fill the chapel and we'll take all the inmates down and we'll hold it. So, okay, okay, okay. Um, and can I lead worship next to the panic button? Is that going to be, will that kind of work so I can kind of hit it and stuff? Just remind me where that's going to be again. And it's this sort of moment of panic. And then when the prison doors open, it's like, and all the inmates flood out. And you're standing there with your guitar ready and all the guys come in. And then I just remember being blown away just by the level of acceptance the level of them being wanting to be there. 80% of actually their ears being open to you is the fact that you've turned up. You don't have to be there, but you've come and you've been, um, uh, you've put yourself forward to doing that. And then you have all these inmates there just wanting to hear, wanting to 
learn the song of worship, singing amazing grace in a chapel. Then you hear that they're actually beginning to pray for one another and that they're reading uh, Bible passages and they're reading scriptures in their cells. And then to be able to sit down in in an alpha group in the chapel and talk about Jesus, just an incredible opportunity. We're gonna look at prison ministry uh, a little later on in the talk. But have you ever thought about... um, how in this country, in, this, in the UK, where we are, that we're actually free to talk about Jesus, that we are free to gather here, that no one's going to burst through the doors and take us out, arrest us, take us to prison, that we're not going to be persecuted for what we believe. We're not going to be arrested. We're not going to be put under house arrest. We're not going to have anything taken away from us. We're not going to have our Bibles stripped away from us, like the opportunity that we have Because for some people in some countries, as we know, that's not the case. They can't have Bibles. They can't have Scripture. They may be arrested. They may be taken away. Their family might be in danger for believing the things that we believe, for singing about the things that we sing about, for reading about the things that we read about, and for sharing the thing that we believe in. So the context for this is that the Apostle Paul, he's been persecuted for following the way. He's following Jesus and he's being persecuted for it. Now he might be under house arrest, so he might be in his home and there might be guards that actually guard him in his house or he might be in jail. It's not quite clear, but either way he is imprisoned, persecuted for what he believes, for following Jesus. And he's writing this letter to the early Christians to a church that he hasn't planted, his friend has planted, but he's trying to encourage them in their walk with Jesus. So let's see what he says right at the top. Then if we can get the, uh, the Bible passage up right at the beginning, verse two, he says this, devote yourselves in prayer. He's really encouraging them to really commit to be praying. Dick Lucas, in one of his commentaries on this passage, uh, says this, a characteristic mark of the earliest Christians is their devotion to intercessory prayer. It's kind of in their DNA. So they're under persecution. It's difficult. It's, it's problematic. They're trying to work out what does it look like to follow Jesus in this time, in this context. But prayer is right at the center of who they are. It's like the foundation that they build everything in. They've gotten used to. They've built up muscle. They've built up um, experience in praying and interceding and crying out. So they are prayerful people. And the Apostle Paul saying right from the off, devote yourselves in prayer. Like Commit to it. Like nothing happens, like we need to pray, we need to just submerge everything in prayer. Commit it all to prayer. Don't do anything out of your own strength, but pray to God for help, for support, for his spirit. And then the latter part of that verse then, he says, devote yourselves in prayer. But he says, being watchful and thankful. These two phrases, he's saying, be watchful and thankful. This just absolutely blow, blows my mind away. So this guy has been persecuted for his faith. He's, he's discovered Jesus. He's believing in Jesus. He's following Jesus. He's trying to encourage people. He's been under house arrest for this. He can't actually fully function in the way that he would love to, preaching and going all out there. So he's writing letters to people and he's telling them to be thankful. Like, if I'm going to be honest, if that was me, I'd be like, yeah, can you pray that these guards get lost? Like, so as I can get my freedom, go and get my flat white. Can you pray that I can get out of this situation that I'm in? 
Like, and he's not going down the spiral, this circle thing, like, oh, isn't it just rubbish? Like, you know, we're supposed to be telling people about Jesus, and it's like, I feel commissioned, I want to do this, but I can't do it. Like, he's not going down a rabbit warren of just negativity. He's saying, be watchful and thankful. He's basically saying, guys, create a gratitude list. Create a list of thankfulness. My wife, Katie, is always encouraging me and telling me to do it, like, at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, write a gratitude list. This is a screenshot from my phone. A little reminder of what I try and do, and I try and write 10 things. But rather than just naming 10 things, I then go back over and say, okay, I'm going to pray through the 10 things. Sometimes it's 10 people. Sometimes it's 10 things from the day before. Sometimes it's 10 things that going into the day I'm grateful for. But then I pray through them things. Being watchful of your day, but being thankful to God for the good things in life. I love that the Apostle Paul is saying that to these guys because they've got reason to feel down, downcast and negative. Prison um, is an interesting place because he's been persecuted for it. You could say, okay, well, that's drawn a line under that. That's the end of that then, isn't it? Like that's closed the door to my mission, to me praying, to me sharing about Jesus. But actually the Apostle Paul sees this opportunity as his mission field. So he's saying being in prison, under house arrest, maybe the guards outside, I can share my faith with them. Or if he is in prison, he has been in prison uh, as well, he can share with different people about Jesus. So he sees prison as his mission field, which is incredible, isn't it? He's thankful, he's prayerful, and he's thinking, well, how can I share my faith even in the very place where I'm not supposed to be sharing my faith? Verse 3, he says, and pray for, for us too. Pray what? Pray that God may open a door for our message. Well, why does he want that? So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So he's asking that the prison, uh, that he's asking actually that doors may be opened. But he hasn't said pray that the prison doors would be opened. He hasn't said, would you pray that the house arrest gets lifted? He doesn't pray that actually he has freedom to go and wander around. He actually asks for God-given opportunities. He's saying, in my context, in the place that I find myself in, would you pray that I can proclaim the message of Christ and do it well? In my context, in my situation, pray that doors to conversations would be opened. How incredible, eh? I wonder uh, where we're placed, hopefully uh, not under house arrest, um, but I wonder where God has placed us, where we're going to be tomorrow morning, where we're going to be on Wednesday afternoon. I wonder where you're going to be placed on Friday morning, and I wonder whether we say to God and to people and our friends, our connect group, would you be praying that doors would be opened for conversation about Jesus? Would you pray that I can have that like absolute divine appointment, that divine conversation with someone that is just incredible, where I can share my faith, where I can say, hey, church just isn't Sunday, but it's all week, and and I've had an answer to prayer for this and a prayer for that, or whatever it is, whatever it looks like for you. But I wonder if we can take that as inspiration and say, wow, would you just create opportunities for me to share my faith in that context that I find myself in and can I do it well let's um, jump back to um, the prison ministry stuff 
Let's think about um, the fact that in, in prisons today that there's an opportunity for people to share their faith. When we think about uh, Alpha in prison, do you know that there's 85,000 uh, and, and in, in people in prison in the UK and it continues to increase? And that Alpha actually runs in 50% of the prisons across the UK. Incredible opportunity that people find themselves in prison, yet there's still opportunity to share and to speak and to learn about Jesus. When I was in Pentaville Prison, I was just blown away because a lot of the, the people, a lot of the inmates, they just understood forgiveness. They just understood that we mess up. They just understood that they need grace. They just understood that they need a second chance. They just understood that there needs mercy. They just understood that actually there needs to be support and help. And I I heard stories of people praying for each other in their cells and in their corridors uh, and in in the chapel that they were reading and absolutely nailing it through the scriptures. Like they'd read more scriptures than I had in that month. I mean, they've got the time and everything just to sink in to the Bible. It's incredible. The Bishop of Kensington, uh, the Right Reverend Graham Tomlin, he was actually my um, principal when I was training as a vicar in, in London. He said this, prison can be a place of transformation and alpha for prisoners proven again and again a means by which many prisoners have found transformation, new purpose, direction and faith. See, even in the hardest of times, the difficulties of environments, God can still break through. People can find Jesus. And that's the Apostle Paul's prayer, that even in this context, even at this time, please pray that I could have opportunities to share. Another uh, extreme uh, example, really, you see that the Apostle Paul's in this uh, extreme environment is under persecution. But I've been looking and thinking about Brother Andrew. So Brother Andrew, uh, the founder of Open Doors, Incredible guy. He's, he's probably known for uh, his book, The God Smuggler. He's known as The God Smuggler. He would smuggle Bibles into countries where people weren't allowed to have Bibles. He would fill his car with stuff and have story after story of just stepping out in faith and, and, and having these awesome like opportunities to share in situations where it was just illegal to do so or difficult to do so. He might have been persecuted, imprisoned, and maybe even killed. Yet Brother Andrew was brave and bold in his convictions and would go to the places that we would fear to go to. That You'd be like, I'm not going to go anywhere near that. Brother Andrew, time and time again, would risk and go. He was actually um, went to Bible school in Glasgow incredible guy with stories of conversations in Russia with people, people where it would be fearful of his life. He was sharing Jesus with them and smuggling Bibles in. Just an incredible guy, an incredible story. He recently turned 93, and when he was interviewed about his life and all the things that he'd done, incredible stuff and incredible stories, the thing that he said was, I wish I'd been more bold. Wish I'd been more bold. It's incredible that yet in that situation, in all the things that you see that's inspiring, he just wished he'd been more bold. Brother Andrew goes on to say uh, in this interview, being questioned about it, he says, the real calling, he said, is not to a certain place or a career, but to everyday obedience. And that call is extended to every Christian, not just a select few. He's saying that wherever you are, whatever context you find yourself in, 
It's our calling actually to be obedient to God, whatever that may look, may look like. See, we may not be like the Apostle Paul who would stand up and proclaim Jesus in front of people and stand up on a roof or stand up in the middle of the, the square, stand up in the middle of the center and the marketplace and just proclaim a massive sermon, a well-crafted sermon. We may not be that, but we may be in a position to say, you know what, I'm gonna speak well of the church. I'm going to speak well of Christianity. I'm going to speak well of of other churches. I'm going to speak well of organizations and charities and people that are doing incredible things in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to be positioned to be ready to give an answer to it if um, it's asked of me, if they ask the question. It's shocking to hear that only 3.6% of UK churches provide training in sharing their faith. We learned that from uh, Evangelical Alliance at this conference that was at a couple of weeks ago. 3.6% of UK churches only train uh, people in how to share their faith. Maybe something that we're thinking about and looking about. And I know there's, there's things that we can do here as well. But creating opportunities in a normal, non-freaky, natural way to tell people about Jesus and to love upon people. Uh, I mentioned Open Doors, Brother Andrew, who's the founder of Open Doors, and I, I went uh, to Dishoom not too long ago. Actually, it probably is, uh, it's kind of like, do you ever feel like there's a year or two just kind of like merged in? It's like, what's happened? When was that? I went to Dishoom, probably, yeah, pre, pre-pandemic, with a guy who works for Open Doors. He's from Birmingham. And we were having a nice curry, chatting away, and the, the waiter came up to us and was just kind of chatting and so on. And, and this guy uh, from Birmingham, from Open Doors, was just thought, hey, mate, this is a bit, just, I'm just kind of thinking on something, like just the conversation that we're having and stuff. This might seem a bit weird and so on, but we're kind of Christians, and we're chatting, we're praying for stuff and things. And when you came here and we were talking, like, I just kept thinking in my mind, like, I think that this guy's got something buried deep within him that he just loved to do in life. Like stuff that maybe is kind of deep within you, that maybe a dream or a job or something that you'd love to do, but you've not looked at it, you've not unearthed it and looked upon it. Like that, it's maybe wrong, but like, is that, and this guy was just like, and he's like, yeah, that, that, that's completely right. That, that, that's all. He was like, hey, I just feel like God's saying that he sees you that he loves you, that he, that he likes you, and that maybe at some point, at the right time, like revisit that. Don't forget about some of them dreams that you've got buried deep in your heart, because I think God likes that. The guy wandered off, and I was like, wow, that was quite specific and you know, amazing, but you know, did it with his eyes open, he didn't lay hands on him, everything it was just in a conversation. At the end of our curry, the waiter came back with two loyalty cards properly stamped all the way up. And he was like, that was the best day ever. He's like, that conversation was like a game changer. That was so great. I'm so grateful that you shared that. that just that little thought that you felt God was saying to me, here's a couple of loyalty cards on me. We didn't do it for that, but what an amazing win for it. It was absolutely brilliant. And I've been back since with my card. <laughs> I just love how... The Apostle Paul saying, you know, take every opportunity to share your faith. Pray for opportunities. Pray that doors would open to conversations. He then goes on in the latter part of his letter, verse 5. Let's have the, the passage up again. Verse 5 says this. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. He says, in Dishum. No, he doesn't say in Dishum. But he says, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, the Apostle Paul, I think, 
is assuming that not all of us are going to stand up and preach a big sermon. But he is assuming that actually we're talking about our faith in a way that people would ask questions. And let's be honest, we can all answer a question, can't we? So if someone said, why do you go to church yesterday? We've got an answer. Why are you going to the carol services at Christmas? We've got an answer. Why did you do that thing called Alpha? We've got an answer. He's saying, be, be ready, be prepared to give an answer. Final story, and then we'll pray. We uh, recently, as a staff team, went away to um, a learning community down in Peterborough. And uh, it was this uh, big place where different churches come together. We hear some stories, we hear some, some uh, preaching and some specific tailored things, seminars and sessions and all that sort of stuff. It was an incredible thing. And actually, whilst we were there, we prayed for the persecuted church. We got everyone to stand up and they led it from the front. That We prayed for, for countries, for churches that have been persecuted for what they believe. And it was an amazing time, and I loved it, but I'm going to be honest, um, on the train journey on the way back, I had an amazing conversation that was equally as great. It was brilliant. So on our way back uh, from the conference, um, there was four of the staff team sitting there, and then there was three of the staff team sitting there at a table with one lady with her laptop open. It's like, that's a bit awkward, isn't it? It's kind of like this lady's right in the middle of a, a staff team where we're all chatting and kind of bantering away and stuff. And she's kind of like working away and stuff. I kind of felt for the lady. But I was sat opposite her. And she was kind of um, in a probably uh, mid to late 50s, thinking about retirement, thinking about what she's doing. And we were having this conversation. And it was amazing how quickly she went really deep in her conversation. So she talked a little bit about uh, experiencing loss in her life. She spoke a little bit about uh, losing um, a family member. She spoke a little bit about her journey. And then it became clear that years ago, she was, um, she was baptized as a baby, but completely walked out on her faith. She said, I've never set foot in a church for 30 years. And some horrific stories about the church not being great and not managing and helping and supporting the family and all that sort of stuff. But this lady had experienced so much pain, so much death in her life that her friends had called a doctor death. And just having this conversation and just listening to this lady, I'm listening with one ear and I'm saying, God, please, God, please. God, tell me what to say. God, please. I'm hearing your story, but God, please. How can we, how can we support this lady in her world that she's in? I begin to share a few thoughts and say, look, we're actually from a church and we've been on a conference and, and this is what I think. And I'm so sorry where the church has hurt you. I'm so sorry that, that we get it wrong. I'm so sorry that that's your story. I'm so sorry. And we had this conversation and she said, you know, I'd like to step away from the job that I'm doing and I'd like to do a new job and I'd like to do a job that basically goes and helps people and supports people because when I was in my absolute extreme pain and I couldn't actually speak on the phone I was able to just mouth my name and the people knew who I was they had my address and I don't know what charity is but they came and she said someone sat on my left and someone sat on my right and they just held my hand and, and they just sat with me as, and then finally the scream came out I could I could physically just scream I could let out the pain and she said I want to do that as a job and I said, I'm going to be praying that that happens. I'm going to pray that you can do that. And then she said, oh, would you? Would you pray? And for me, I took that as a question, would you pray? And I gave an answer. I said, yeah, can we pray now? These guys are Christians. They're not bothered. And she's like, yeah, I'd love that. 
So right there and then on, on the train, over the table, we kind of leaned in and, and looked at the window. And I began to pray and I said, you know what? I don't think you're the doctor of death. I think that actually you're called to bring life and you're called to sit with someone on your right and on your left and to speak life into people's situation. I feel that God sees you and he likes you and he loves you and he wants you to bring life to others and life in conversation. We had this amazing moment and God was very present. It was very emotional for her and for me. It was an amazing God-given opportunity on a busy train up from Peterborough on our way to Edinburgh. We've been emailing, she's gonna come and help at Saturday meal. It's incredible that God gives us these moments. And if we wait in the moment long enough, prayerfully, and we say, God, what question might be coming now? And where can I step into this? Give me the confidence, give me the courage. I'm not gonna be persecuted, I'm not gonna be arrested, but I can give an answer for why I go to church, why I believe the things I believe, why I read the Bible, why I love worship, why I follow Jesus in a very normal, non-freaky way, in a very authentic way to how God's made you and created you, you can give an answer. We can give an answer in any given context because we're free to do so. We're not persecuted. Why don't we uh, just stand just as, as Mark just leads us in worship and I'll just pray and I hand over to Libby. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Come, Lord God. Jesus, come. And sometimes we, we just put our hands out in front of us as a, as a position, a posture to say, God, I'm, I'm open to receive all that I need from you to make Monday work, to make Tuesday work and Wednesday work, that I walk with you in the spirit and the presence of God, mindful of you. I need your spirit. So come. Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus, come. And you might just want to pray that ancient prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. He's here by His Spirit, His presence. Just come closer still. Come. I'm open, I'm willing. Come and land upon me. Rest upon me. Fill me. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you. But we pray that at the end of the service, if there's anybody that feels trapped or imprisoned. We know, Lord, that we don't need bars to imprison us, Lord. Sometimes, Lord, our hearts, our mind can be imprisoned, Lord Jesus. We know that people in prison can be freer than what we feel and experience at times. Lord, at the end of the service, would you give us confidence and courage to maybe grab someone, talk to someone, pray with someone for levels of freedom? Maybe we need to go and speak to somebody professionally and say, I, I need to experience freedom freedom in Christ, whatever that looks like for you. So Lord Jesus, would you inspire courage and bravery in our hearts? Courage and bravery to share you, Jesus, in any given circumstance, in any given context, to give an answer. Come, Lord Jesus, fill us with your Holy Spirit now. Just drop into mind, Lord, people that we see at the school gate, people that we see at work, people that we see on the bus, on the commute. Lord, just drop someone into my mind, Lord God, that we can be positioned to give an answer for why we believe. What we believe, Jesus. Come, come, Lord God. Let us love people as you do. Let us see people as you do, Lord God. Help us to love the people in front of us, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit.
Thank you, God. Calming power is filled as Jesus.